Michael here with Jane Goodell, and we're just going to talk about Jesus a little bit. And um, my one of my earliest memories of Jane was at a vineyard conference. We had just briefly met, so I knew who she was. But I walked down to get some ministry at our during the conference, always ministry times, and <clears throat> I noticed the person in front of me has got this spiky hair, much like now. And uh, as I'm, I realize it's Jane, and as I'm standing behind her, I'm wanting to receive ministry, but the Lord starts giving me a word for her that, simply put, it's just that uh, God likes you just how you are. And, um, you know, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, you know, Jane was unique in her expression <laughs> and, and who she was, but uh, I didn't realize the impact it had on you, and so... It was huge. It was huge. Um, I told Michael, I think I said it that day, um, I had, nobody, nobody knew what I was struggling with internally. And um, growing up, I had problems with dyslexia, with numbers, and with uh, letters. And I learned to uh, listen really good. <laughs> I mm. had to depend upon that. And so I was kind of in between remedial classes and regular. And in high school, uh, it was just uh, really hard at first. But I excelled in other things, you know, drama and aqua choir and, you know, in school. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but it, it, just those few words, you'll never know what a few words when you say to somebody because it literally lifted stuff off of me. I had kept to myself for a long time uh, feeling that um, I was a remedial pastor's wife, uh, a remedial Christian. Um, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God loved me so unconditionally. I always felt very, very, very loved by Him. And um, but the thing was, I didn't play piano. You know, I you didn't, didn't do the typical things that I the, did not. the pastor's <laughs> wife did in that denomination. That's yeah. right. Right. That's right. But uh, we had awesome people. I could love on people. You could drop your kid off at 3 a.m. with a fever and a snotty nose and with me and I would love them. I did a lot of things I felt were were Christian. Right. And, um, but um, I was never put in that position, but I made it a bigger deal. I made it, mm -hmm. uh, 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 I just wanted to be more. I always wanted to be more. And uh, in, uh, as far as leadership in a church. But when Michael said, shared that, what God gave him, it just, broke something off. I mean literally like somebody took a wet jacket off me and it really yeah. maybe unfortunately for some people <laughs> freed me more. <laughs> well yeah you know we, we got to be good friends we'd hang, yes. hang out we'd come yes. down and visit you guys you guys lived at OBE uh, PB but we, we'd come out in OBE and hang out and yeah. you know we'd run to the store together and um, I just remember if we went into the store we were going to be there for an hour. <laughs> Because we were there to pick up two things. Well, first of all, she'd grab four or five other things, but she'd always strike up a conversation with someone in aisle seven or uh, the, the cash register, and we'd be talking Jesus and just just the friendliness. You just love yeah, people. I love people. That's yeah. really kind of your, your gift, yeah. your passion. Your hospita hospitality is a big part of what you do. And it's like you overcame some of the um, difficulties, yeah. you know, not being able to read as well as you'd like, but yet you were able to learn in other ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like taking your weakness and making it a strength. Right. Like when 
when when you don't have when you're blind, your hearing usually kicks in better. Right. You, you right. can't hear. Your sight turns in a little bit better, and so for me, I uh, I had to. I had to um, rely on what God was telling me, yeah, or, yeah. or uh, memorize stuff, or uh, something like that. But also, when I was young, the Lord showed me His heart, and it was just overwhelming. I thought I was going to die, <laughs> and um, it was so compassionate that it's hard. I don't want to sound flippant. But it's like you can hardly do any wrong when you come back, when you mm. come to the Lord. It was like, it was amazing. And he, the compassion he had, uh, uh, I, I couldn't hold the pressure of that. And I felt it was killing me. And he said, I can't show you my all my compassion in my heart, Jane, because the human body cannot handle it. And so from then on, I realized the compassion God has for people uh, from the worst of the worst to the best of the best. And I've always remembered that, and I've always had a real special love in my heart to make, I, I think everybody should be, feel important yeah. or feel special. Yeah. And no matter who they are. Uh, and my mom and dad did that too. I mm -hmm. learned that growing up. I didn't grow up in a church going home. But, um, and it was... Yeah. yeah. They, were, they were just salt-of-the-earth people, yes, huh? Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know if I've heard that story about you having that encounter. How old were you when that happened? Well, it, ha it when I was young, about 10, my mom sent me out to get some meat out of the freezer, and it wasn't grounded. <laughs> and she told me to repeat three times, I will put shoes on, I will put shoes on, I will put shoes on. Well, I didn't. I mean, I was... <laughs> of course. I was in a hurry, <coughs> you know? And so I grabbed the, uh, the freezer and I got electrocuted. All I remember is I was on the ground and uh, I saw my I was lifting up towards being, going towards heaven and I because I heard this voice I couldn't I could not go back. I was, it was the Lord's voice and uh, the, the compassion in it uh, compelling me that I had no control over myself. And then I looked down at myself, and then Father said, you know, it's not time to go. Wow. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, and then next thing I remember, uh, a lady that was visiting, staying there, um, she ran over and was working on me to bring me back. And, uh, but I'm telling you. That's when you had the encounter with the Lord? They told at you that time, and then when I went through cancer. Wow. I had another right. one like that. Right, right. So it was... Um, I, I, once you see God's heart, it's it change it, you know, it changes your life. Well, that explains your love for people. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. What was it like? Um, we chatted about this a little bit earlier. Um, pastoring uh, in a denomination that maybe you didn't quite fit into. Um, like you well, said, you weren't the, you weren't the piano playing pastor's wife, but you. No, you, but Gary always got a real good. A piano player. <laughs> Being a musician, he always he would. covered me. He would do that, <laughs> you know. But you were you were kind of like the mom of the church and loving people. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. and I could encourage. I could pray for people right, like right. crazy. Uh, I could go up front on the spur of the moment. I'm not. I wasn't shy or uh, afraid like that. 
where I felt insignificant was uh, if I had to quote John three. Yeah. No, I knew John three sixteen. <laughs> Everybody knows John three sixteen. Right, right, right. But to quote scriptures like a lot of people do. But well, you were kind of spontaneous. You'd get a download from the Lord, I and you good would spontaneous. Yeah, yes. yeah, just going for <laughs> it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, share the vision of uh, flying over San Diego. San Diego. This is this is pertinent. Yeah, this this was years and years ago before Petco Park, and I was um, I, I was awakened and and felt real impressed to go in the living room and pray uh, pray for San Diego. And all of a sudden, I was praying, and it, it everything felt different. The atmosphere, uh, the living room, myself, and all of a sudden, I saw myself carried up over downtown. Um, San Diego and I looked like Moses it was really interesting <laughs> and uh, so um, you have a beard <laughs> I, I had yeah <laughs> so you kind of saw yourself as and a I Moses wasn't gender confused I want to say that <laughs> I knew that it was like the Lord had called me to prophesy and worship and hold back evil over San Diego and so I was really high up looking and I was praying, and he put a scepter. Uh, it was like a, a brass scepter, and it was just elaborate. And I, he said, hold it up and don't let it drop. And I was holding it up, worshiping over uh, San Diego, and all of a sudden there was like an arena and a coliseum, and people, it was four doors, north, south, east, and west. People were coming in from all over California, and parts of the world, really. Some of them had just a little suitcase. Some of them had like a little hobo bag. Uh, they looked tattered, torn, broken, despair, hopelessness. And they were coming in, and it was called like a city of refuge over that. And so, I read, I, I would sometimes want to look down, and the scepter would come down. All of these black billowing, evilness clouds just a just the evilness would start to come in and so I'd hold the scepter up and worshiping and worshiping over San Diego and um, it I was actually I was literally carried away I, I, I felt physically everything and then it was like I just returned back in my living room in front of the fireplace and I I was trying to question what was that all about because it was different, yeah. and um, and I thought, well, it must have. It's over San Diego, but it must be somewhere else because there's no Coliseum or ballpark. And then a few years later, right. Petco Park was built, yeah. and that was exactly what it was. What that I saw, yeah. and although this was years ago, uh, I I just felt that. God was calling San Diego into worship, and as long as we can worship, uh, yes. it would hold back the evilness that was meant for destruction yeah. for people, yeah. you know, in their hearts. And I think we've seen a lot of that transpire over the years. San Diego's, you know, was really known as a, a teaching city in the early days. You know, when I was in Calvary Chapel, and mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, it's great season. But I believe the vineyard helped usher in some worship, and you know we've yes. had Bethel and all yes. the different stuff, and and San Diego's grabbed a hold of that. And there there are many many solid worshipers, uh, good yeah. worship leaders in San Diego. So 
I think we're seeing that come about, and we need yeah. to we need to stay with that strategy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Jane, you know, I feel like as, in closing, I'd like you as like a mother in the faith to just look at the people and and pray for them and bless them. Could okay. you do that? Yes. Yeah. I'd love to. I would just love to uh, tell you all that you're vitally important. From the least of you to the highest position of you, nobody is in positions. There's no levels that all of us have a purpose, all of us have a, a mission, whether it's to stay home, wash dishes and pray hard over your grandkids, especially now, right. or if you're in a business that there is no believers to at your desk or your lunch hour, slightly just pray over your office. We have been given a gift of seizing the day of Christ for our area that we're over. And the thing is, is that you, you, is, you honestly, just thinking and whispering prayers over your loved ones, over the area, over your job, um, over decisions, over what's happening with our future, with our world, with our economics. Um, we, we all have been given a gift. Jesus gave us a gift that is so powerful that just to whisper a little prayer breaks mm. and holds back mm. something. It's vitally important. And never think you're insuff insufficient in uh, what you have from the youngest to the oldest. Um, we've been given a gift of Jesus to really pray for our country, pray for our family, pray for the ministry, pray for our jobs. And things are really gonna take shape. They're really gonna take shape. Good job, Jane. You heard mom go do it. <laughs>